Keith Hawk is with us to talk about sales, and he has been a senior sales executive for a very large organization, a thousand salespeople under him uh, for the last decade, and has really spent his career in sales and sales roles. And you're going to find out in just a moment what a, a treat it is to talk with him and his experience. Keith, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, Chad. I really appreciate the opportunity to be a part of this event. It's fantastic. I'm glad you can. You you spoke once on our podcast before, mm -hmm. and that was a very popular episode because as product people, we do want to know how to work better with salespeople. And uh, you you have spanned these roles in, in a sense and are a really good place for that. Uh, first, I kind of by way of introduction, I, I want to share something that was on your LinkedIn profile. And having worked with you, um, I really related to this too. So this person said, if I were to pick one person to be the model of the kind of leader that I aspire to be, it is Keith Hawk. There, <clears throat> there are, there are who have shared my. There are others who have shared my for, my future, and my fortune. Sorry, I'm getting this messed up. There are those who have shared in my fortune to have worked with Keith's organization and be shaped by his leadership. He expects results and has the emotional intelligence and communicative ability to understand how to get the absolute best from every individual he leads. If you have the chance to work with Keith or to hear him speak, seize it. You will be a better person for it. And I know of the you know thousands of people that you have impacted over your life that a lot of us, me having the chance to have worked with you as well, would say similar things. And I think as product uh, leaders, product VPs, the ones I've talked to, one of their concerns is they really do enjoy mentoring the people around them, especially their product managers, and also being an influence to the executives that they work with. Um, just, just from that perspective, what would you kind of attribute your success to by having that kind of mentoring impact on others? Well, uh, I, I would say experience helps, but uh, I, I think people... Uh, People look at who you are before they look at what you've accomplished or what you've mm. done. And if the who is not to their uh, expectations and, and hopes, um, then you have a lot less chance to accomplish a lot of the, I'll call it the what's around that. So I've tried to make it my business to be somebody that was a good teammate, mm -hmm. um, first of all. And uh, as I graduated into leadership roles, uh, to not forget um, what it's like to be a good teammate. Um, because we're always teammates, whether they work for us or not. Uh, and, and to me, things that are important are integrity, mm. um, confidence in the mission that we're trying to accomplish together, uh, making sure everybody understands their role in that mission is, is extremely important. Um, and then paying attention and staying involved uh, at the front, not at the back uh, of the operation. And so to me, you have to, uh, if you're a sales leader, never forget that you're a salesperson. If you're a product Product leader, never forget that you're, you've been a first line you know, product developer. Whatever your role is, mm -hmm. don't forget what those people do that work in your organization. And uh, I feel like I've just tried to hold on to that and, and be somebody they can trust and who has their back. Yeah, the, the so many good characters uh, characteristics there. The emotional intelligence piece I wanted to ask more about too. Um, you didn't listen in, in that list, but I know that's a big piece of things. And that quote uh, that someone uh, provided for you too included that. Um, but was that something? You know, emotional intelligence is something that helps leaders be much more effective. We have good research that indicates this. Was that something that you specifically worked on, or do you think that just kind of came more innately, maybe through your upbringing? Was, uh, well, I think we, we have our parents to thank or blame if we have a problem with emotional intelligence because they set quite a foundation for us. Mm -hmm. 
So I'll give thanks there as appropriate. But um, I guess I felt like through my career, I learned as much from people that I considered bad managers or subpar mediocre as I did from the great ones um, because I started um, vetting, smoothing out what I would see as potential rough edges. And so the, the be, having a sense of self-awareness, I think, is, is a characteristic that every leader should really work on. Uh, we all have it to some degree, but we can always get better. And so understanding how you're perceived is important. And you know, anything that you can do to get that by having great mentors or people around you that you trust and who aren't afraid to tell you the truth, to me, is, is always key. And, and just watching the reactions that others have around you mm. is pretty key for uh, for constantly refining and getting better at, I think, perhaps the most important, um, if it's an ability or a characteristic, I don't know what it is, but uh, ha- having a great sense of emotional intelligence uh, is, is so important. It's, it's something to be attended to. Yeah, really good tips there too, uh, to break down, you know, the how we're perceived by others, paying attention to that, getting feedback from others. And frankly, some of us are a little bit more blinded to that than other people and having a confident that you can go to to say, okay, how did I really come off in that situation is is so helpful. Sure, sure. No doubt about it. I've been blessed. I've been blessed in that regard too. Yeah, it's really good. The uh, I'll, I'll tell one more quick story just from our, our interactions because I, I want to give an example of this emotional intelligence piece. And uh, you and I were at a sales conference once. It was a internal conference, and there was a individual that was um, a, a colleague in the team I was in who was like one of the greats, uh, you know, known in our team. It was actually one of the named uh, patent holders on this thing that now seems so silly with the internet, right? It was the first time an organization had created a capability to remotely over land, over wires uh, in the time of the, it was phone wires to do a search on a remote database. And uh, I know who the colleague is, but I'll keep that quiet. Yeah, right. so, it's okay. <laughs> um, and uh, I had felt he got slighted in a, uh, in, recognition. Um, and I, I I don't know if I made this more voiceful than I should have or not at the time, frankly, but I had talked to you about it and you finally said, Chad, I got this. Um, I'm like, okay, uh, Keith is the executive in charge of this. He's got this. Um, and then later in the day at the company-wide meeting of all the, the thousand plus sales professionals, um, you singled him out and gave special recognition to his contributions, um, uh, that was that was a good example for me seeing that right the importance of recognition, uh, and it also was an example of emotional intelligence of how to make the best out of the situation. Thoughts on that? Yeah, well, just think about it. How easy it was for me to perhaps shore up what, something that should have been done and more overtly before the first time through and recognizing this person. So. Um, typically, most challenges, problems, especially something like that in a meeting can be resolved, can be fixed. Mm-hmm. But sometimes uh, if, if we don't have uh, an, an appropriate sense of the room, appropriate sense of perhaps this thing we're calling emotional intelligence, you just run right past that, run right roughshod over mm-hmm. it. But if you step back and you say, what good would it do for that person and for the people in the room to, to hear this information about what an awesome performer they are? Uh, that's all positive. Right. So, so to me, what you did was you helped us fix something and uh, we're, we're human beings. We're not perfect. And so if things can be resolved by, with the, the great help of others around them, by all means, jump in there and fix the problem. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'm also pleased that you, re you remember that moment. So, um, <laughs> but I, I think it's a good example for product VPs, product leaders, that exhibiting emotional intelligence and doing those little things that you can and your control to recognize others is so very important. So let, let's talk about this relationship a little bit more. Um, so in your roles, uh, you know, executive vice president of sales sort of roles, uh, you also were a director of marketing, you were a director of a technical support team, a director of customer uh, experience, customer support. And in those interactions often worked with product teams, product managers, and certainly sure. the product itself. Um, let's start, you know, the overall focus here is how can product uh, make better use of sales and vice versa and, and, and prove this relationship. Because when you talk to product leaders and product managers, usually the two, two functions that there's some tensions with, if there are tensions, it's usually engineering and it's usually sales. And how do we work better together? So we're going to focus on sales. First, help us understand uh, from a sales VP's perspective, what motivates a sales VP? Well, let's start with um, one concept. Probably the most fired role, an executive role in an organization is the, is the VP of sales. Um, it is the most measurable job in the company. I would submit even more specifically measurable than the, than the chief executive officer. Um, we have a number. We actually have a, a group of numbers that we are measured on. We have a, a sales force, an organization that typically is compensated on a on a leveraged variable basis. They don't just get a salary. They they literally bet a meaningful portion of their compensation on their individual performance. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> to me, thinking about the the motivations, um, we want to be successful. It is a success driven. It is an achievement driven profession. The profession of selling. It's very misunderstood. We are all colored by our personal experiences we have with salespeople in the consumer market, where we are buying a car, we're buying a meal, you know, we're, and we, we typically have somewhat negative perceptions of these salespeople we come into contact with, whether they're trying to sell us a cell phone or, or a used Ford, right? Uh, and, and we take those into the marketplace, whether it be how we judge our colleagues as salespeople or as how our customers uh, react to us. So I have, I have made it my, uh, my professional life's mission to say that professional selling in a business-to-business -business setting is not what it is in the consumer world. Uh -huh. We have to solve our customers' problems. The number one characteristic that we can give our people that are out there representing our company to our customers is, is this thing called confidence. Uh -huh. um, if I am not confident in my company, my company's ability to deliver, and the actual products and services that we deliver to our customers, my customer will see right through that, and I will become very ineffective as a salesperson. So I'm constantly on a mission to help my sales professionals become supremely confident, and I don't mean a bunch of cocky swagger, but I mean supremely confident that I work for a great company, mm -hmm. we deliver great products, and those products can solve my customer's problems. It goes, really, I'm in the business of helping my customer be more successful. And so if I take it all the way to a product management, sales management um, kind of an interaction, to me, anything people in product management can do to help lift the capabilities, the abilities, the knowledge, and ultimately the confidence of those people that are out there meeting with our customers, those salespeople, then that's the basis for a great relationship. And by the way, we have things to give the product management side as well, because um, 
our job is to be speaking with our customers every single day. And we pick up the very specific elements that perhaps are more difficult to pick up if I'm, if I'm sitting in a product management meeting. And if I might, I'd, I'd tell you one small, small story. Uh -huh. um, I, we had a challenge um, with a particular internal product that we were using in our organization one time. It happened to be a um, tracking customer information. Some people would call it a CRM system. At any rate, um, we were having a lot of tension in our organization between the people that were developing and the people that were using. And so we decided, let's get them in the room together. And um, we had all sorts of technical specifications about how the CRM solution was supposed to work, but it wasn't, wasn't meeting the needs of the people using it. And so we put a map of the state of Kentucky up on the screen. And we said to the assembled audience, what is that? And they said, that's Kentucky. That's the state of Kentucky. And he said, is that what Kentucky looks like? And everyone in the room said, yeah, that's precisely what Kentucky looks like. And we said, no, it's not. And then we zoomed in tight and you saw streets and you saw um, um, garbage cans and you saw cats and dogs and people and barbershops. And we said, this is what Kentucky looks like. It's not enough to have great product requirements handed from one professional to another. You must get in the street and see what Kentucky looks like. Or said another way, you must get in the street with your customer and understand how your product is used. And to me, that's where some of the greatest learnings have ever been. When I've my, myself and product management folks have been together with customers, we always have make discoveries that we didn't expect going in because we have assumptions and we learn that our customers have very different assumptions oftentimes. And it's important to bring the, those customers together with the people that are building our products so that we truly do do the greatest job that we can in that area. Mm -hmm. Wow, there's so much there to kind of unpack too. So I wanna start with this confidence aspect, right? The, okay. Your perspective here is that sales has a responsibility to provide confidence to the customers. That confidence is coming from a, a internal confidence, internal in the organization of our products and how they solve problems and our ability to, con to continue solving problems for customers. Do you think that is widely shared in the B2B space? Um, because I, I wanna, just try to chip away at this notion of sales a little bit. And you said that our view of sales probably is influenced by our personal experiences, like with the, the buying the car, you know, if that's, yeah, that's no doubt about it. Yeah. 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 So do you think that is common or do you think that is more uh, rare because of how you view things in the organization you created? Well, I, I unfortunately think the stereotype of the salesperson who comes out and just starts pitching, 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 I call it bag diving. They virtually dive into their bag of products and start throwing them at their customer. That is still way too prevalent um, in, in the world, including in much of the business to business world. And, and we can even sometimes by our behaviors inadvertently make our salespeople behave in that way as a bag diver to use my uh, kind of gross term about it. Um, because we do things like have a weekly, uh, a weekly meeting saying, what, is there, what are all the proposals you have on customer's desk? What is the likelihood that proposal is going to close? How much money is in it? You know, and, that, and people understand that their success is dependent on them, them making these sales. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes they get things turned around and get backwards and not realize that my success as a sales professional can only follow the success of my customer. 
And if we if we always live and work in that way, I will be successful, but only after I make my customer successful through the utilization of my products and services, then I'll be a professional. But if I if I get it wrong and I just start thinking my job is to is to mass manufacture proposals and get them on as many desks as I can and hope that I can get some of the customers to say yes, then I'm going to perpetuate this terrible stereotype that salespeople don't really care about you. And so we really strive uh, to, to focus on the importance of not getting it wrong, to, to make it your life's mission, not just your job, your life's mission to realize I will be ultimately the most successful as a person and as a professional if I understand that my job, my life is about making other people more successful first. And so I think it's a really good way to live your life. And we think it's a really good way to be a salesperson, but we fight against the other things that get in the way all the time. It's like the pressure of the monthly goal, the pressure from a product management perspective to say, hey, push my product, not right. that other guy's product. You know, that that gets in there too. It's not just the sales leadership that drives those things. Sometimes it's come, it comes from other parts of the company. Yeah, that's a good point. Common objectives and how we're incentivizing salespeople to work on those objectives. Um, it reminds me of that famous uh, Zig Ziglar quote that, you know, I can get everything I want in life if I help others get everything they want. Yeah. And that notion he was, of... He was a smart man for many reasons, but that's, that's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, and it's that I, this truly is common ground between sales and product, that sense of we want to solve problems for customers, help them uh, have more value to what they're doing because we recognize that's how we have more value as an organization. Um, and I think that's a good, uh, good place to have, maybe if there is tension between a sales VP and a product VP, that's a good place to at least find common ground to have a more, uh, a more productive, helpful conversation. Absolutely. We have way more ways to help each other than reasons to hurt each other. And so we must stay focused on the, the fact that both can, can richly, uh, assist the other side of the equation. We've just got to make sure we, we get to that common ground and understand that. Okay. Um, so lots of good items in there about what a sales VP is thinking of and how they might approach things. Uh, and just, to, I guess, to drill in on, on this confidence aspect just a moment, uh, th there was a, a time in life that you impacted me a good deal on how I thought about sales because I did, frankly, kind of have this car salesman perspective in my mind. And I had been in, uh, you know, my early experiences was in an engineering organization where the engineers, we did most of the positioning of our products. and We didn't really have sales per se. Um, and so that kind of instills this idea that we can do everything, right? <laughs> and all these functions in an organization are, are very important. And we have sales for very good re reasons because our products need to be able to get to customers and customers need to be aware that we have a way of solving their problems. Um, but you said something once to me, uh, which was on the order of uh, uh, Chad, you know, if you have a product that you know helps people, if I went to all the trouble of creating a product that creates value, don't I have a moral obligation to tell people about it? That's a really good way of looking at it from my product perspective. Like, of course I want people to know about it. I'm proud of this work and it does help people. Yeah, how, how do we tell more people about it? And, you and it recognizes that the world doesn't beat a path to your door, even right. if you have a wonderful product. We, we, we have a very important job to play of getting out there and making sure the world does know about it yep. because the world, the world has lots of choices. Yep. Absolutely. So that, that was a, a very important thought turning moment for me. Um, we talked about motivation some, 
if a product VP is going to have a discussion with, with his sales, his or her sales VP, and uh, wants to have a better idea of what they're really responsible for, I thought maybe we can help them with that. Kind of what, what does the day in the life of a sales VP look like? What, what, are, what falls under their responsibilities? You framed this somewhat already, right? There's different measures and goals they have to hit. But what are they involved in? What's their work like? It's a pretty broad role, uh, honestly. You, you care about a lot of things. Um, what I have to care about most is who's on my team. Um, mm -hmm. So recruiting, hiring, training, and developing uh, great professionals to operate in the way that you want them to operate um, is an ongoing part of the job. It's, it's ever-present, always there. So that's, that's always it. Who's on the team and, and how do we get them ready to do their job? And ultimately, how do we keep them on the team? Right. Uh, if we're doing a great job with them, they will be, be they will become very attractive candidates for other jobs, both inside and outside the company. So that's a big part. And then there's the infrastructure part of it, or sometimes called sales operations, where we are concerned with such things as how do people get paid? Because I, I mentioned earlier, they're on a variable compensation system. And it's not uncommon in a broad sales organization to have uh, dozens of different compensation plans that are tailored to the specific roles, geography, market that, that, that the salesperson is working in. Uh -huh. And then the team is not just a bunch of people that do one thing. We have sales support people that are very important to the process, whether they are sales engineer types, um, whether they are customer, or very rich in customer knowledge uh, individuals, uh, all sorts of people that are advocating uh, for our business from a from different perspective of angles. So having the organization right is important. You're constantly planning. Uh, you're planning sales campaigns. You're planning sales territories. You're always getting ready for the next year. Um, and so that's a big part of the job is, uh, is, is having your mission clear, right? And that's which tends to have just a handful of items in it. But then all of those details below the, the big mission that says, how are we going to get from point A to point B? And then um, another element that I think of often is you are not just the sales leader to the sales people. You are also the representative of the sales organization to the rest of your company internally. And you're the, a senior representative for your company to many people outside the organization, be they shareholders, um, be they customers. And so I spent a tremendous amount of my time inside our company working with people that weren't in sales, finance, accounting, human resources, certainly product management, market management, um, as well as my colleagues on the, on the, senior, the, seniors, uh, the senior leadership team mm -hmm. of the organization. So you, you play many roles, you care about many things. Uh, at the end of the day, um, uh, it's not just about saying, well, how are sales this week, this month, this year? There are a lot of other things that go into that scoreboard that we call the actual sales performance of the company. Good. Yeah, lots of depth there. And I think it helps our product VPs appreciate this role a little bit because they may not have sat down with their, their sales VP yet and talked about, you know, what does your life really look like? What, what are the key things there? Um, you, you addressed people. I think that's also common ground, right? Wanting to mentor and, and keep good people as part of this. Lots of planning goes into that. Um, it, it's a lot more than just clearly trying to make the sale. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a, it, it's the, the, the concept that it's just about the sales is the easiest part of it. And, I, and I, it's interesting because I have seen people in senior leadership roles that get into the back half of their career 
And sometimes they step back from the, the more senior job and say, you know what, it's not worth it. What I really am is a salesperson or a sales manager. And I want to go back and do those things where I felt like was I was making so many direct contributions to my company and to my customers, or maybe to the small team that I once led. And, and it's not unusual for, for senior sales leaders to go back in the company and take junior roles, either in that company or in others, because it's a more pure role the closer you are to the customer. But the mm-hmm. more you step back from the customer, um, the more things change. So uh, sales leaders are, a, a, in some ways, a tortured lot who sometimes wish they were doing other things than what they have to be doing at that moment. Right. Um, you mentioned in there, too, the objectives and you're right, the, the different goaling of salespeople. And that made me think about that there's often some disagreements at the executive level of organizations around common goals and how we use our resources best to reach those. And I've seen this deteriorate, uh, not purposely so by any means, but where the individual siloed functions actually kind of end up working against each other in some instances. You know, engineering goes one direction while sales is going a different direction. There just isn't good coordination. Um, what about how to kind of help get those, you know, how do we make better use of our shared resources and get people on the same page from goals? Um, one quick example I'm thinking of is we, we had a product. So you, you talked about salespeople have different products, you know, from the company that they're representing and some of them get more mind share at any given time than others. And I remember one salesperson who was one of the stars in the organization and helping, you know, on huge multi-million dollar contracts, big customers. And he spent an awful lot of time making a $50,000 sale. And it was because there was some little incentive for the first person who sold this product. And I don't know the details of what that, what that incentive looked like, but it just stood out to me like, you're spending a lot of time on this one little product. That's interesting. How can we work together to help things? You, you know where I'm going with help with the oh, goal. Oh yeah, right? yeah. There's a there's a word that I used to call spiff. Many people yeah. other people call it a spiff, and there is intense pressure on the sales leadership from sometimes either market management or product management to come in and say, I don't feel like I'm getting enough attention on my product. And so I want to offer from my budget, not from the sales budget, a spiff. Said another way, a one-time payment for someone making a sale of the particular product that I'm endorsing. Mm-hmm. And it sounds innocent enough. Uh, uh, they, they're concerned they're not getting attention and they believe the way to, to get attention is to put money on it. And it can backfire. Um, it, it can get, it, it can, as you indicate, can get things kind of out of alignment um, paying attention perhaps to the wrong things, but sometimes I don't know what else to do as the product manager. So I will come to sales leadership and I'll say, I'm offering $50,000 in incentives over the next 90 days for anyone who sells product X uh, uh-huh. and you, and you can get some attention. The, the, the problem with that is, is that connected all the way up through the organization? Is that understood? And, and where we have uh, an, an intense interest in trying to push empowerment down in an organization and have what I might call a bunch of little general managers, uh, each with their product P&L responsibilities, um, is a noble thing to try to do. But the weakness of that is you don't start act, you're not really act, acting like a broad corporation, you're acting like a bunch of little corporations inside the, this one umbrella. And so we have to be very careful about that. Senior most leadership um, must weigh in on this and try to fend off 
um, those temptations to be all for me, not for we. Um, but it's, it's difficult and challenging because empowerment's a wonderful thing until it makes us all act for ourselves and not for the collective whole. So it, it, it demands really, I think, spectacular planning at a high level in the organization to make sure we are all wed together and not just individually motivated for our individual product. Mm -hmm. That's really good. So what I heard there was uh, basically a caution, was if you have a product VP, or it could be someone else in the organization, perhaps someone in marketing, that says, sure. we need to put more energy behind this effort. We're going to make that happen through XYZ, through a spiff or something else. Mm -hmm. And the caution sounds like when you hear that, say, okay, let's step back. Let's meet an exec as an executive group and make sure we're thinking about what we do as a system and not just the individual parts to make sure that we're, we're trying to maximize the entire system. Is absolutely. that fair? Okay. A absolutely. And when I think back to the time in my career that I felt like our corporation that I was a part of was operating at maximum efficiency is when we would have the senior leadership team meet frequently together to talk about the business, not just to talk about all the numbers, but to talk about the business and our customers and what can we do to be more effective as an organization with the emphasis on pulling together to maximize the force of this entity rather than to split it up into tiny little pieces and each of us try to add up to that force. Yeah, that's really powerful. And that system perspective that we are operating as a system and not these individual silos or pieces. Okay, so, one more question for you, which is about the uh, tension that often interacts, often exists between sales and uh, product. And frankly, th this was less of an issue that I, I saw at LexisNexis when we were together. Um, but the uh, one tension is sales has access to the customers. And so that's appealing to product people because we want to have relationships with customers as well to hear what their problems are. Um, sales also doesn't want us to have a discussion or interaction that screws up that relationship. So there might be some trust issues. And we as product people are often really cautious about going out with salespeople because if the salesperson's there, it's gonna feel like a sales meeting as opposed to maybe a problem exploration meeting. Um, I have my own thoughts because I went through it with you on how we kind of structured that, but can you just address how to kind of resolve that tension and say, hey, salespeople have good relationships, product people need those too, and we can really work well together. Well, I mean, it's almost like dating. I mean. <laughs> You don't start by going to the prom. Maybe you should start by having a cup of coffee together. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think getting people into the same room or at least on the same conversation uh, so they know a little bit about each other um, can go miles mm -hmm. to building trust uh, because it's really about trust, right? When there are issues, if I'm a product person, I don't trust that I'm really going to go in the kind of meeting that I want to go on and I might get caught up in something I don't want to be a part of. On the salesperson's part, it might, it might be... I don't want them to say something that's going to slow down or impede my sale. Well, neither one of those parties wants to do something incorrect or improper. Sometimes it's just an understanding of what we're going to do. So to me, the, um, the way to have smoother interactions, especially if we're talking specifically about product people and salespeople going on customer appointments together, is let's be careful about what types of appointments we go on. And don't just say whatever they're doing that day, I'm going to be a part of, but rather let's think about where that product person can add great value. And so to me, uh, now there are going to be times when a product person says, I just want to listen. I just want to hear what the customer's saying. I want to see what they're experiencing. But if, if we can have the type of meeting, which to me, uh, the, the great kind of customer meeting to go on as a product manager is a review. 
a review of what the customer's buying, what I used to call the what, why, why questions. What are they buying from us? Why are they buying this product? What, what is it doing for them? And finally, why are they buying it from us as opposed to other choices that they have in the marketplace? What are they buying? Why are they buying it? What's it going to do for them? And why are they buying it from us? Those are great meetings to attend because you get such a rich view. And they also offer, offer great opportunities for the customer to speak expansively about what they love and what they don't love, what they wish and we would do differently. And it's, it would be a chance um, for the salesperson and the product person to work together to help more completely satisfy the needs of the customer. So to me, don't just go on any type of a sales call. Go specifically where we're going to review what the customer is trying to accomplish with the products they're buying from us, mm -hmm. how we're doing uh, uh, along the way. And, uh, and that can really lead to some great interactions and some great learnings. Because if I'm just going to the typical kind of early sales call, there's going to be a lot of a lot of wasted motion there. I think it's much more productive to go where we're deeply into something. And the other example would be if I'm making a final presentation to a customer where we're trying to um, close a big opportunity, um, I need some help sometimes. The customer's going to ask me tough questions that I can't necessarily answer. Can the product person be an expert resource who doesn't have any sales responsibility in that call, but but can really dive deeper uh, in a way that can uh, can help the customer feel more confident, back to that word, can more more confident in doing business with us. Right. There, there are times where the customer will, you know, ask the ask a question and the salesperson will start providing an answer and the customer might say, you know, turn to the product person and say, okay, how does it really work? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there's just there are different levels of knowledge there just because of, of the work that we do. The yeah. I, I think because of the culture that was in place, the focus on let's create new value for the customer, um, because that was already laid, it was really easy for me to be as part of a product team to go out with customer, sorry, go out with salespeople, where they would just make the introduction and then they would sit back and their perspective was, I'm bringing in a, a valued resource to help you, Mr. and Mrs. Customer, better solve your problems. Um, and those were really productive meetings and they did not feel mm. like sales meetings. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the earliest part of my career in that company, we both worked at together for, for about three years. I was a technical specialist. I was supposed to understand the technology behind how our product worked. And they would play face card against face card, meaning put a technologist with a technologist and let them work together to, to satisfy each other's, uh, each other's needs. And so uh, uh, I think that is a, is a very viable role for the, for the product uh, leader to perform. Excellent. Really good information. As uh, people that listen to the podcast know, we really like innovation quotes. I ask you to bring one to us. Uh, we frame innovation quotes in all kinds of ways. I just want to know what the quote is and why it's important to you. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a guy that has a lot of sports in his background. So I, uh, I, uh, I look to sports again, but not to the traditional football quote. I have one from Wayne Gretzky. Mm. And Wayne Gretzky said, I skate to where the puck is going, not where it's been. And uh, that to me, from, from somebody that's developing, designing, inventing products is very important. I must see what's coming in the future and not just try to make the past better. And, and I'm also reminded of, of another quote that wasn't so customer oriented, but it was uttered by, by Henry Ford once when he was in the early days of making cars. And he said, if I just listened to my customers, I would have designed a better horse. 
And so we we don't always know exactly uh, what we want, uh -huh. uh, but there are visionaries out there among us who can understand the opportunities in the future. And so I I think uh, Wayne Gretzky's kind of got it right. See what's going to happen, not just try to make what happened in the past a little bit better. Right. If we know where things are going, that's very powerful. So keep your eyes open for that. Okay, excellent information. Keith, appreciate you spending time in our summit and sharing deep insights into sales and how product VPs can better relate with sales VPs as well. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity, Chad. And now we're going to go to a bonus question. This question is really about how can sales and uh, VPs, product VPs work better together from the perspective of what would make a sales VP's day um, if a product VP said this, right? I just, I'm kind of thinking about what are the, the trigger uh, sentiments, phrases, you know, the, the, the thinking that sales would go, oh, you get it. You understand my responsibilities, what I'm up against, and you're here to help all of us be better. Yeah, well, I've, I've kind of got dual responses to that, Chad. One is this, if, if you just wanted to make my day better, if a product leader came to me and said, hey, Keith, I want to tell you about something that just happened in your Atlanta office. Hmm. Um, I was down there and I was meeting with these salespeople and they didn't just drag me along on a couple of appointments. Rather, they sat me down and said, tell me in detail how this product works. Show me how this product truly can help my customer be more successful. Can I take you on appointments or people in your organization on appointments in the future where their knowledge can help me uh, get more leverage and be more successful? If, if a product leader came to me and, and told me of some, someone or some group in my organization grabbing hold of them for their knowledge, trying to dig deeper and, and pull from them how to make their, their work lives better through this greater uh, intensity of knowledge they can gain from the product organization, that would make me feel good because mm -hmm. one of the things we preach as salespeople is as a salesperson, don't just be a solo contributor. Don't just be someone who thinks my whole success can only happen based on my individual efforts. Salespeople need to understand the power of leverage. And if they can look across the organization and understand there are people in the company that if I call on them in one way or the other and utilize their skills and their knowledge, I can be more successful. And this isn't the most normal thing for a salesperson to do because we, we tend to be people who are a bit ego driven. We tend to be people who say, yep, it was me. I got it done. But in reality, I value more the salesperson that says, I have this whole canvas of an organization that I can paint from, paint on. And I'm going to get people from marketing, from product, from finance, from customer service, wherever I can pull, who can help me with a customer or with an opportunity, then I, I really find much greater value in that kind of a salesperson than those who just say, I want to take all the credit for myself. I don't need anybody else around me mm -hmm. because those people are not going to be nearly as successful as those who understand the power of leverage. So that's one way that you could uh, make my day. Mm -hmm. The, can, the can other I comment way, on oh, that before oh, you please, go yeah, please do. Mm -hmm. The uh, how you started that made me think back to what you're talking about the the dating relationship, right? And yeah. and just building that trust. And I love that example of if a product VP had a what personally or you know product managers had a really good experience with some of the salespeople, bringing that back to the sales VP to just 
bring that recognition again and say, hey, we had this great experience. This is what happened. Um, that is helping to establish trust as well and, mm -hmm. and further that dating relationship. Yeah. And, and it would probably, so, so the other thing would be, I, I think that's, that's, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot we can learn from dating, first of all, but uh, that's a different meeting. That's a different summit. But uh, the, the, the other thing that, that would, would perhaps make my day if um, a, a product leader sat down with me and said, let's plan together. Hmm. Uh, you have things you're trying to accomplish. I have things I'm trying to accomplish. Let's take the time to listen to each other and to, and to truly get it, get what, what motivates you, what excites you, what is success for you. And you do the same with me. And then once we've made these discoveries about each other, have understanding each other in much greater detail, let's understand what that Venn diagram looks like where we come together and we both can find benefit. And let's capitalize on that. Let's do something special that perhaps others and other companies are not doing mm -hmm. and, and develop a greater sense of power in the marketplace because of the way that we work together. Mm -hmm. To me, uh, if more people and more companies sat down and tried to understand each other and their motivations and goals, and said, how can I help you be more successful? How can you help me be more successful working together like that? Amazing things can happen. But too often, we don't see this. We stay in our, we stay in our lane and, uh, and we don't reach out. But those that are truly phenomenally successful understand ways to make the whole organization a part of their team. It's really good uh, just by coming together and, and have that better appreciation for each other. One of the key pain points when I talk to product VPs is at uh, some point they'll often share that the executive team doesn't understand how product gets created. They, they don't really know what's involved. And one of the key functions in that is, is sales doesn't understand when they come back and they ask for XYZ, what that means to us and what it means to our ability to serve other customers or just that one customer. Um, and having that kind of sit down discussion, right? What motivates you? What do you need to get done? Also gives them the opportunity to explain some of these factors a little bit to try to be on the same page and not feel like they're working against each other. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and cust a customer will say anything that they want. And some things would take 15 minutes and $15 and some things would take 15 years and 15 billion. Right. And, and we've got to be able to understand that all requests are not created equal, but the more we understand each other and the, and the more we work together, I think the better chance we have to, to truly uh, get the, get the best from the customer learning as the salespeople and, and certainly from the product leaders. Very good. So when I uh, put together the dating summit, I'll be glad to have you back, Keith. We'll uh, talk about that more. I'm not an expert, but, <laughs> but, but I, yeah, I haven't been on a date in about 40 years unless you carry unless you count hey, my wonderful marriage. Date times with the wife is very important. So Absolutely. That's good. So once again, thank you for all the great information and your insights. Really appreciate it. My, my pleasure. My delight, Chad. Thank you. Yeah.